Merry Christmas. It was back in the 90s that there was a television sitcom by the name of Home Improvement that starred as the main character, Tim Allen. And in that sitcom, Tim played a character in his own TV show, Tool Time. If you remember the show, Tim was married to Jill, and they had three sons. I saw an episode of Home Improvement not too long ago, and in that particular episode, Jill's mom came for a visit. She apparently was going through some things in her home that she wanted to pass on to her children. She wanted them to have some memories of their childhood. In anticipation of what her mom was bringing her, Jill was hoping it was a clock that was at their home as she was growing up. And she said, before she opened that package, she said, my father was in the military the whole time I grew up, and so we moved around every couple of years. But every time I heard the sound of that clock, I knew I was home. Home. I suspect that for just about every one of us, there, there may be some things for us that, that connect us with home. Maybe it's the sound of a clock. Maybe it's a particular piece of furniture. Maybe it is the smell of something baking in the oven. Maybe it's a particular holiday and tradition that you had during that holiday. Maybe it's a particular home that you've always lived in. Whatever it is, there are probably certain things that make us all feel like home. And yet, even as I say that, I am very aware of the fact that for some people, home may not always have a favorable memory. Maybe there was not enough food on the table in your home. Maybe there were too many arguments in your home. Maybe there's a stocking still hanging untouched this year because you're not quite sure if you're welcome home. The meaning of home may vary from person to person, but I suspect we all treasure those things that make us feel at home. American author Robert Frost, probably best known for his poetry, wrote a story one time where a husband and wife were arguing about whether to take in a particular family member or not who had nowhere else to go. This family member was desperate and dying. He was lost and lonely. He was feeling hopeless and was homeless. The husband doesn't want to take the guy in, but the wife thinks they should. In the story, this dilemma leads the couple to reflect on what home is. Finally, the husband says, whoops, Home is the place where when you go there, they have to take you in. But I don't want him in our home. But the wife disagrees. She said, home is what you don't have to deserve. Wow. Home is what you don't have to deserve. 
I think those words point to the very reason for the Christmas story. A story that ironically begins with two people who unexpectedly are literally forced from their home. A decree is issued. A census is ordered. An untimely trip happens for Mary and Joseph that takes them from their home in Nazareth to Bethlehem. A 90-mile trip with Mary nine months pregnant. And when they get to Bethlehem, there's no temporary home for them to stay in, but only a stable. And when Jesus finally is born, there's really no home for him to rest his head but a common animal trough. And now being so far away from home, there's really no family or, 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 or friends that can visit them from their hometown, only some shepherds who they've never seen before who heard about this birth from some angels that night. Talk about feeling far away from home. But you know, it's not just Mary and Joseph and Jesus that were away from home. You see, in, two, in those days, there were two kinds of shepherds. One was what were referred to as peasant shepherds, and the other is what were called nomadic shepherds. Peasant shepherds lived with their families at, in their homes in villages. Every morning they got up and gathered together their sheep that they had sheltered for the evening, and, and they went out to, to a pasture land for them to graze. And at the end of the day, they, they gathered them together and they sheltered them for the, for the night, and they went back to their villages to their families. But that wasn't the case for nomadic shepherds. Nomadic shepherds had no home. Instead, they just wandered from place to place, always looking for fresh pasture ground for the sheep. And so when Caesar Augustus issued a decree for a census to be taken of the entire Roman world, everyone was to be counted. Everyone except nomadic shepherds. Why? Because as far as Caesar Augustus was concerned and most of the other people in those days, they didn't count. They didn't have a home. But it was to nomadic shepherds that the angel appears and announces to them that a Savior has been born. Here the main characters of the Christmas story are people who have no home and especially for shepherds who aren't even considered important enough to be counted in a population census. And all this kind of brings us back to the reason for the whole Christmas story in the first place. Back in Genesis 1, God created an earthly home for us, a perfect home. But it wasn't long before that perfect home became imperfect. Adam and Eve ignored God's direction. They broke God's perfect plan when sin entered the world. And ever since then, daily you and I exhibit the effects of sin and brokenness in our own life. Selfish attitudes, greedy desires, always wanting more, never being satisfied with what we have displays of anger, acts of violence, hurtful words, all evidence of a broken world which is not the home that God originally created for us. 
which is why an angel came to Joseph at his home one day and told him what was going to happen to Mary, his wife. The angel said, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is the solution to the sin and brokenness in our world. Your sin and mine. Your guilt and mine. Your disobedience and mine. It's why God sent a son who was born without sin, who paid the price for our sin as he sacrificed his own life into death on a cross, who returned to life demonstrating his power over sin and death. All of that Jesus did in order to bring us home to a relationship with God and ultimately to prepare for us a new home one day. One day, Jesus said to the disciple Thomas, I am going to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. A new home, a heavenly home, an eternal home for you. Why? Because you count. You count to God. The story of Christmas is about coming home to God because you count. A home where, just like the woman said in the story by Robert Frost, a home is what you don't have to deserve. A home is a place of acceptance. A home is a place of grace. A home is a place where you count. It's why Jesus left his heavenly home to come here to our earthly home to also prepare for us an eternal home. Some of you are here tonight for this Christmas Eve service because this is your church home. Some of you may be visiting from out of town, visiting relatives or friends, and, and so they brought you together with them to their church home. Some of you may be here tonight, not necessarily because this is your church home, but for one reason or another, you decided to come here for Christmas Eve, and I'm glad that you did. But you know, whoever you are, and no matter where you may have come from in your life, I want you to know two things tonight from this story of Christmas. And one is that Jesus was born in order to welcome you home to a relationship with him. But secondly, not only does God welcome you home, but unlike those nomadic shepherds who were the first to hear about the birth of Jesus, you count. God's Son, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, came here to let you know that you count. I want to conclude with something that comedian George Carlin said a number of years ago. He said this as he was trying to point out some of the fundamental differences between the two sports of football and baseball. Here's what he said. 
He said, football is played on what is called a gridiron. Baseball is played in a park, a, a ballpark on a diamond. Football players wear helmets. Baseball players wear caps. Football is concerned with downs. What down is it? Baseball players are concerned with ups. Who's up next? In football, you receive a penalty. In baseball, you make an error. In football, there's a specialist who comes in to kick something. In baseball, there's a specialist who comes in to relieve somebody. Football has a two-minute warning. Baseball has a seventh-inning stretch. In football, time is rigidly monitored. In baseball, time doesn't matter. But he says maybe the biggest difference of all is that in football, the main objective is pursued in a rather military-like fashion. The battle is fought on the field. The offense tries to break down the enemy's defenses to reach the end zone. But in baseball, the objective is simply to go home. <laughs> and to get home safe. To come home safe because you count. I think that's the meaning of the Christmas story. So Merry Christmas and welcome home. In Jesus' name, amen.